for today's scripture reading please turn with me to second chronicles chapter 32 verses 9 to 19 second chronicles chapter 32 verses 9 to 19 after this sennacherib king of assyria sent his servants to jerusalem but he and all the forces with him laid siege against lachish to hezekiah king of judah and to all judah who were in jerusalem saying thus says sennacherib king of assyria in what you do you trust that you remain under siege in jerusalem do not hezekiah does not hezekiah persuade you to give you give yourselves over to die by famine and by thirst thus uh, saying the lord our god will deliver you from the hand of the king of assyria has not the same hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded judah and jerusalem saying you shall worship before one altar and burn incense on it Do you not know that I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands were the gods of nations of those lands in any way able to deliver their lands out of my hand who is there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people from my hand that your god sh- that your god should be able to deliver you from my hand now therefore do not let his hezekiah deceive you or persuade you like this and do not believe him for no god or of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people from my hand or the hands of my father or the hand of my fathers how much less will you your god deliver you from my hand furthermore his servant spoke against the lord god and against his servant hezekiah he also wrote letters to revile the lord god of israel and to speak against him saying as the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people from my hand so the god of hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand then they called out with a loud voice in hebrew to the people of jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten them and trouble them and that they might take the city and they spoke against the god of jerusalem as against the gods of the people of the earth the work of men's hands uh and the story continues in second kings uh chapter 19 verses 14 to 20 and then 35 to 37 second kings chapter 19 verses 14 to 20 and then 35 to 37 and hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it and hezekiah went up to the house of the lord and spread it before the lord then hezekiah prayed before the lord and said O Lord God of Israel the one who dwells between the cherubim you are God you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth you have made the heaven and the earth incline your ear O Lord and hear open your eyes O Lord and see and hear the words of Sennacherib which he has sent to reproach the living God truly Lord the gods uh, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire for they were not gods but the work of men's hands wood and stone therefore they destroyed them now therefore o lord our god i pray save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know the true other lord god you alone then isaiah the son of amoz sent to hezekiah saying thus says the lord god of israel because you have prayed to me again against sennacherib king of assyria i have heard you verses 35-37 And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of 
uh, the Assyrians, 185,000. And when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, returned home and remained at Nineveh. Now it came to pass, as he was worshipping in the temple of Nisroch, his god, that his sons, uh, Jeremelech and Sherezer, stru- struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Then Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his place. O God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us this day uh, to be here, O Father. Thank you for giving us this day to remember what you've done for us, O Father, as we were remembering how you removed every sin uh, from our lives, O Father, how we were only amazed by how you do not hold every hurtful, disgusting thing that we've done, O Father, and how you redeemed us from uh, the penalty uh, of those uh, crimes, O Father. Uh, And we thank you for the gift that as, as you died on the cross and saved us and brought us into your salvation, O Father. And now as we turn to your word, we pray that you would only bless our lives uh, with uh, the words from your word. And as uh, Jerry speaks to us, we pray that you would make him a channel and that you'd talk to us and inspire us in our daily lives and help us to walk uh, better, uh, as better children of yours, O Lord. We pray this prayer in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Daniel, for uh, reading from the word. Uh, Sorry to make you jump around two, three passages. I was actually planning to also add Isaiah. This is uh, um, one of those incidents that we read where God thought it important enough to mention it three times in the Bible. We find it in 2 Chronicles 32, 2 Kings 19, and Isaiah 36 and 37. Um, If you were following through this amazing story of uh, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, Um, one of the few godly kings who were there during that time. And at that time, the Assyrian king Sennacherib was uh, capturing and plundering all the nations of Judah. And he had reached Jerusalem. Jerusalem, a fortified city where Hezekiah was there along with uh, his royal people. Um, And Sennacherib, uh, what he did was that uh, uh, he besieged Jerusalem from all sides And then he sent messengers uh, twice to the king Hezekiah and he said, don't depend on your God. One of those messages we just read right now, very insulting way in which he is speaking about uh, about God Jehovah and also about the king Hezekiah. So he insulted and he challenged um, the nation of Israel and especially King Hezekiah and the people in Jerusalem. Uh, saying that, what can you do against me? And then we see that when Hezekiah receives the second letter, uh, in a very intimate uh, action, he actually takes that letter, that very letter before God, and he places that before God, and he tears his clothes, and he, and he prays and says that, Lord, look what uh, you know, Sennacherib is saying about you. Uh, And Isaiah then, prophet Isaiah, who was living at that time, he prophesied twice. Uh, Two times uh, Sennacherib insulted, two times Isaiah prophesied. And then we read those last verses from verse 35 onwards, where the angel of the Lord, one angel, goes in the night to the Assyrian camp and 1,85,000 of Assyrian soldiers are killed that night. 
when the israelites wake up in the morning there is just dead bodies assyrian dead bodies lying all around jerusalem sennacherib runs back where he came from but we also read his end his own sons take his life you know in his temple in the temple of his god his two sons cut him up with the sword and kill him when the people of judah would have heard this when hezekiah and and his um you know his nation would have heard this how would they have felt what would have been their reaction i want your minds to stay there but today we are not studying from that passage we are not studying from daniel we are not studying from the passage we read but we are going to actually study the lyrics of a song and uh, cbf loves singing uh, we love songs so we are going to study from the lyrics of a song a song that bible scholars say was written most probably in response to this amazing incident a song that has inspired many other songs including song number 2 in our songbook a song that was referred to by our brother stanley when he gave his testimony last sunday a song that was either written to the sons of kora or written for them psalm 46 shall we all turn to psalm 46 the incident that we read helps us understand the context in which this psalm was written how about we read this entire psalm together it's a short psalm just 11 verses shall we do that everybody is found psalm 46 before that i'll just read the title for the director of music of the sons of kora according to alamoth a song so there you have a song it was written for the choir master or for the director of music and alamoth in hebrew means girls so it probably was a technical musical term saying that this is meant for the female voices to be sung in a higher range and um, you'll realize song number 2 if you go through it is a song that we rarely sing perhaps because it's not easy to sing you know it's it's a song which is sung in a very high range and perhaps inspired by this psalm as well So Psalm 46 let's read together from verse 1 through 11 verse 1 God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble therefore we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy place where the most high dwells god is within her she will not fall god will help her at break of day nations are in uproar kingdoms fall he lifts his voice the earth melts the lord almighty is with us the god of jacob is our fortress come and see the works of the lord the desolations he has brought on the earth he makes war cease to the ends of the earth he breaks the bow and shatters the spear he burns the shields with fire be still and know that i am god i will be exalted among the nations i will be exalted in the earth the lord almighty is with us the god of jacob is our fortress what a wonderful uh, uh what a wonderful song what wonderful 
poetry and um, beautiful um, uh, beautiful imagery that has been created there this is a psalm that has comforted so many people in crisis it's a psalm that has lifted hearts and and, and encouraged so many people and um, when we go through this you would have noticed that it's in three sections and those three sections are divided by three words again musical notations sela right you see it in the end of verse 3 written in italics when i was small i used to say that as well you know so i used to say with their surging and say sela as well and my dad used to say no no that's not meant to be said out uh, but we see this after verse 7 and again after verse 11 so we'll go through these three sections together let's start with verse 1 god is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble therefore we will not fear we will not fear we all have so many different kinds of fears of course there's a kind of fear that the uh, people of judah were going through right very very palpable fear your know, fear of actual attack but there are so many fears we might not be going through that kind of fear right now but there are so many fears that you and i go through in our lives fears of financial insecurity at times yeah fears of illness fears of health sometimes of uh, our own a lot of times of our loved ones fear of where our career is headed right a lot of times we are clueless where things are going fear of perhaps marriage and and who our life partner would be and how those things will turn out sometimes a lot uh, you know as as we grow up as parents we fear a lot for our children and how they will turn out to be and and what will become of them there are so many worries and fears that you and i grapple with but what is he saying even if the worst happens look at verse 2 though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging he's saying even if the worst happens earthquakes volcanoes flood absolute destruction you know everything is visibly crumbling around even then he says i will not fear you know earth and mountains are regarded by humans as symbols of stability but the psalmist is saying but even when the most stable things around us become unstable even then i will not fear verse 2 starts therefore we will not fear so what's the wherefore that's in verse 1 it's not because you know we have an insurance policy to take care of what is you know any eventuality that will come it's not because you know we have some political contacts who are going to bail us out when there's going to be a problem it's not because we've got a fat bank balance you know to bank upon or relatives uh, uh, you know to to ba- to fall back on a lot of times the lord takes us through circumstances where we realize that even these things that we feel in our lives are things that give us stability you know the people around us the uh, the, the money in the bank um, maybe even uh, you know the kind of fellowship that we are in right a lot of things that we feel is giving us stability sometimes the lord shakes that up so that our focus and our uh, and our uh, trust will move away from those things and that's why he's saying here that uh, in spite of all of that therefore we will not fear and the reason verse 1 is because god 
is still with us. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Those two words, refuge and strength, are so beautiful, right? Refuge is a place that we run to when we need to hide. And there are so many situations in life when we just want to hide. You know, we don't want to come out. We just want to be under that blanket and, and, and we wish that the day, uh, you know, uh, doesn't need to begin. That we don't need to start off. Right? We just want to just hide away. For those times, God is our refuge. But yet, you know, we can't stay there. We have those, we have a need to go on. And how will we go on? Because God is our strength. So He is our shield to protect us and hide us. And He is our strength to give us help to go on and fight. God does not insulate us from trouble. You know, the Bible doesn't promise Unlike what many people teach, that if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not face any trouble. If you're facing troubles, that means your faith is not strong enough. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Across, uh, across God's word, if you look carefully, you'll see that God is saying that you will face trouble. Jesus said it very directly. In this world, you will have trials. But have faith, I have overcome the world. So God promises us His presence in the midst of trouble, God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. He's always there, ever-present. And in some translations, that's been translated as a very present help in King James Version. A very present help in trouble. Right? So very present help means that we might not be able to see it. We might not be able to feel His presence a lot of times. But He is very much present. He is very much Present, an ever-present help and a very present help. And then in the end of verse 3, that musical notation, Selah. So musical not- uh, this musical notation, Selah, is a word in Hebrew which was, uh, um, which was meant to tell the singers to stop for a while. To stop and think about what they have just sung before. Um, when you go through Psalms, uh, there are 39 Psalms which have been addressed to a choir master. So very clearly meant to be sung. And 31 out of those 39 Psalms use this musical notation, Selah, which is to pause. So it was a thing that uh, Israelites would do as part of their singing. You know, in the middle of the song, just stop. The other day, uh, I was hearing a conversation between um, our music team and, and someone and uh, from the church and they're saying that you know uh, once in a while it's good that we just pause the music right in the middle of the song and we're just singing a cappella right maybe inspired by the Israelites once in a while it's good to just pause and to think about what we've sung in fact the amplified bible uh, it actually translates wherever the word selah appears the amplified bible it translates it as pause and calmly think of that. Think of what? That when circumstances are overwhelming, we have a place to and a person to run to. When circumstances are overwhelming, we can run to the Lord. Even when the most stable and dependable things or people in our life become unstable, we need not fear. If we take refuge 
and find strength in our God who is always stable and never changes. What a beautiful thought to pause and think about. You know, especially for those people who had experienced and gone through this, to be able to remind themselves that it's God who is, who is our refuge. The next time that happens, it's He who we run to and not anyone else. And an important reminder for us as well. Verse 4 to 7, the next section. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. You know, there's this sudden contrast. In the previous verse, we are talking about storms raging and, and you know, the oceans um, flooding. And suddenly, here it is, there's a refreshing, calm river. A river whose streams make glad the city of God. The city of God in this context is talking about Jerusalem. You know, but what's the interesting thing about Jerusalem? It's one of those few ancient cities which has not been built by a river. So Jerusalem was actually not built next to a river. Yet, he says here, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, Jerusalem. You know, Sennacherib was so sure that the lack of water for Jerusalem will make them eventually surrender. If he just stays around them, you know, it was a fortress which was difficult to, uh, to go up against. So he just felt that if he would just camp outside with this 1,85,000 army, he just needs to wait because they will run out of water and eventually they will all surrender. But you know, Hezekiah very wisely had built an underground tunnel much ago from the spring of Gihon to the pool of Siloam. And that underground tunnel kept them alive, kept them going during that entire period of siege when Sennacherib was outside of them. It says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. And then in verse 5, who is that river actually? God is within her. She will not fall. God is within her. God is that unseen river. That river is a picture of the great spiritual resource of the Lord himself. So it's a visual representation of a spiritual resource inside which is not seen on the outside. Which is not seen on the outside. An unseen strength which the world cannot see. Let's read uh, John chapter 7 verse 37 to 39. John 7, 37 to 39. There's a reference to an unseen stream, which even you and I have. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. And incidentally, interestingly, Jesus is standing in Jerusalem, in that area, in that temple area, and he's saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. You see the use of the same words? By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. The spirit of God given to all those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, a couple of Sundays ago when... Um, uh, when Jobin was sharing about the gifts of the Spirit and he'd mentioned this and here as well 
it's so clear it says that by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive right you 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 believe and you receive whoever believes in me it's for everyone who believe whoever believes in me you believe and you receive the spirit of god and that's the unseen strength that god has given to us inside us the world cannot see it and therefore she will not fall verse 5 because god is within her she will not fall god will help her at break of day god will help her at break of day you see that contrast again you know to verse 2 where mountains are falling and then in verse 6 kingdoms are falling and then here he says in verse 5 she will however not fall irrespective of what is happening around whether it's in the environment whether it's uh, politically but uh, god's people and god's nation will not fall if god is within her and in this case he is and it's not just a stream to go to it's not just a stream by the side but it's a stream within and inside and uh, you know as um, Uh, we were going through jeremiah chapter 2 my attention went to verse 13 which says that uh, god is saying that i have uh, two things against you you know two sins that you have committed the first is that you have forsaken me forsaken me the spring of living water and you have dug your own cisterns these cisterns which cannot hold water a lot of times you know like we were uh remembering in verse 1 are places of dependence are places of trust right and the reason we fe- we feel that things will remain stable are actually made of our own and we are not really going to god and god says that if if that is how it is then that's something that is sinful that is something that i have against you because instead of coming to me and depending on me who is the spring of living water you are depending on your own man made cisterns you know but these cisterns will not be able to hold water very soon you will realize that these will run dry that the resources that you have built for yourselves you know the stability that you think you have created you know through either your education or your money or or your contacts all of that some day will run dry and that's when you will realize that i am the only cistern i am the only stream whose water will never dry for those who depend on the lord like this this is the result god will help her at break of day and you remember that again the incident when the angel of the lord went at night and what one angel did to the assyrian soldiers to the entire assyrian assyrian army at the break of day is when these relites would have realized what god had done at night it reminds us of the psalm which says that weeping may endure for the night but joy comes in the morning joy comes in the morning the lord is at work even when we are not even when we are not especially when we are not that's the time when we can actually experience you know these are the times when i can do nothing you know those are the times when we can actually experience that it's god who is at work you know one interesting uh, uh thing and i was just looking at that uh maths a little bit uh we have a lot of engineers here people who are very good at uh, quick mental maths so let's do this if one angel could kill 185000 then uh, actually let's look at that verse matthew 2653 matthew 2653 how many angels are mentioned there 12 legions 
So first round of math. Um, if a legion is anything between 3,000 to 6,000, let's actually go with the lowest number. So let's go with 3,000. So 12, 3,000. All right, great. That was easy. Now that into 1,85,000. Yeah? <laughs> the calculator doesn't have space, huh? It'll be very close to, I mean, if you just round it off to say 2 lakh, right? We are saying it's somewhere close to 6 billion people. And I was quickly, you know, doing a little bit of Google and saying that at the time when the Lord Jesus was here on this earth, what would have been the population of the world? Not more than 4 billion. In a sense, what the Lord Jesus was saying at that time was, for those, and he was speaking to those who knew, he's saying that, if I were to just say a word, the entire earth would be destroyed. Not a single person would be left alive here. You know, that's the power of God. And he's saying here in Psalm 46 verse 5 that God, this God, you know, this God who with just one angel can destroy an entire army of the most uh, of, of the most of the strongest army at that time of the Assyrian army he's saying that he will help her at break of day you know that's when we realize that God has been at work and how does he do it how does he do it he does it with the power of his mere voice it doesn't take him much you know that's what the Lord Jesus was also referring to I just need to say I just need to say it that's the power of the voice of God. And a couple of Sundays ago, we were really meditating on that, right? The power of the voice of God, the power of the voice which, which created this entire universe and which has the, uh, the heavenly armies at his command. He says, as nations, verse 6, are in uproar, kingdoms fall. But he, he lifts his voice. And what happens? The earth, the earth melts. The earth melts. You know, there's a beautiful song uh, written by a songwriter called Michael Card. Uh, the song's title is The Final Word. And I just want to quickly read the first two stanzas, or the first stanza and, and the chorus of that. The Final Word by Michael Card. You and me, we use so very many clumsy words. The noise of what we often say is not worth being heard. When the Father's wisdom wanted to communicate His love, he spoke it in one final perfect word. He spoke the incarnation and then so was born the Son. His final word was Jesus. He needed no other one. Spoke flesh and blood so he could bleed and make a way divine. And so was born the baby who would die to make it mine. The final word. The same God who is saying that I will just speak. You know, I will just lift my voice and the earth will melt is the God who incarnated himself and says, God became man and dwelt among us. Right? He became the word and dwelt among us. And then in verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. And in many translations, the Lord of hosts, which means that the Lord of the heavenly armies, the Lord of the armies of angels, is with us. You know, you, you can see that referencing back to that incident when one angel did all of that. The Lord of the heavenly armies is with us. He is securing the safety of his people. It's, it's, it's not some ordinary person. 
it is this god the god of the heavenly armies the one who has uh, the entire angelic army at his disposal is the one who is securing the safety of his people yet the psalmist doesn't leave it there he says the lord almighty is with us and then he says the god of jacob is our fortress for an interesting reason he doesn't say the god of abraham is our fortress and as i was thinking about that and as i was thinking about the difference between abraham and jacob it just dawned on me that the psalmist is saying something really important there saying that on one hand this god that you believe in and that you trust in is the god almighty he is the god of the heavenly armies and yet it is that very same god who chooses to associate his name with a liar and a deceiver like like jacob he is not just associating himself with the ones who to the t follow him and we uh, heard about even abraham you know in today's opening thought at worship that even he with his works could not have but at least he in israel's eyes was the ideal right the ideal man and the father of faith the father of the nation but the psalmist is not using his name and referencing it he's saying the lord of heavenly armies is also the god of you and me yeah he's the god of you and me and then he says the god of jacob is our fortress how many of us have seen forts how many of us have not seen forts okay don't want to admit <laughs> i see a few hands if you have not seen a fort then uh, you don't need to go very far you get in touch with kristen he will take you to jaipur right which is full of forts you know uh, this place of rajasthan or uh, or or ask abhiji to take you to pune and the entire maharashtrian belt is full of these forts and when you go you are just stunned by the by the strength of you know what has been built and the fact that this is impregnable there is no way that you know anyone can can enter in or win over and he's saying that that's the kind of i mean when you just maybe stand in front of amer fort in uh, in jaipur right or the chitorgarh fort you know the one on the hill and you look at that uh that's or maybe you know if uh, if that's not a good enough reference maybe look at the great wall of china right when you look at something like that god is saying that i am your fortress you know i am your fortress that is the kind of refuge that we have that is the kind of strength that god is promising us this infinitely high god who yet became intimately nigh for us not just for the holy not just for the elite but for you and me for you and me you know for sinners like you and me and then again that word that musical notation sela pause and calmly think of that pause and calmly think about what you've just read what you've just sung and what what did we just read and what did what is that second section of lyric about that we have an unseen strength within us because of which and only because of that we will not fall i have an unseen strength within me you know what a beautiful thing to pause and think about i have an unseen strength within me which in my office or in my college others around me cannot see they cannot see that strength 
people can see other things people can see whether we are well to do or not people can see whether we are intelligent or not people can see what kind of family we come from people can't see the unseen strength inside of us i have an unseen strength within me and only because of that i will not fall and who is that unseen strength for those of us who have put our trust in the lord jesus christ he has given us that seal of the holy spirit himself god himself within us and then the third section and the final section verse 8 and it starts with now an invitation the first two parts were about you know going to god you know relying on him depending on him and now it's an invitation to see the result when you do that what happens when you do that what happens for those who believe in the lord jesus christ for those who receive his gift of salvation god gives his spirit in us and then when in our troubles we trust him then there will be definitely a result there will definitely be a result when we trust in him and we depend on him there is going to be a result and that result the source is not visible but that result will be visible that result will be visible and becomes a testimony to others it becomes a testimony to others which is why in first peter chapter 3 and verse 15 it says that people will ask you about the hope that you have because now it's visible you know the result is visible you were going through all of this trouble you are depending on someone that others don't see but now that god you know that unseen strength inside of you has rescued you and now there's a testimony now people will see and now they will ask oh how did that happen how did you go through that with all that hope and therefore it says come and see the works of the lord the desolations he has brought on the earth he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth he breaks the bow and shatters the spear he burns the shields with fire how beautiful it is that when we depend on the lord just like hezekiah and the rest of that nation depended on the lord the result was therefore everyone to see and when we depend on the lord there will be that result which everyone will be able to see so in conclusion what should be our response what should be our response when we uh, when we understand and assimilate all of this our response will be in verse 10 be still be still you know in hebrew that word actually means take your hands off you know take your hands off um the world actually uh, encourages us to be very hands on you know that's a word that is so often used in the corporate world you know be a, he's a hands on guy right he just rolls up its sleeves and then you know just gets things done the world encourages us that as soon as there is some issue or something to be done you'll just get to it you know don't don't wait don't think too much just just get to it but our response in crisis is not to take things into our own hands it's very difficult for us to be still because we like to be in control but god is saying that don't start acting on your own plans now hezekiah actually when you go through the rest of uh, or or the initial part of the story he tried to take things into his own hands in second kings 1813 we see that first he tried to pay off senekerib and then later on uh, and he pays him off to a level where he actually gives away the silver of the temple 
right to that extent hezekiah goes uh, and this is not one of the bad kings this is one of the best kings uh, of those times and he does this yet um, he tries to uh, rely and depend and and form an alliance with the king of egypt the pharaoh so he does things by himself as well although he was one of the good things and that kind of just shows us that when faced with troubles and fears and 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 tensions what the best of us you know end up doing which is try to do our own things try to just uh use our own wisdom and it's not as if god doesn't use our hands in the bible god has used so many people and many times god said that what is in your hands see what is in your hands you know he told that to moses he told that to the disciples you know when they did not have food said but what do you have god does do that but god could not have worked using our hands unless we go to him first unless he does his part first unless we allow him to do his part first if our hands would come in first we will we will spoil his plans and we will become a hindrance to him the question we need to ask ourselves is that in times of trouble do we go to him first or do we just start acting do we just start um, you know relying on our own wisdom and on our own resources or do we actually become still for a while take a pause and go to him first you know before we try to solve it ourselves before we try to play god and then he says that be still and the second know that i am god to recognize his sovereignty to recognize his sovereignty it's not to make him lord but it is to recognize that he is lord you and i cannot make him lord that's why in romans chapter 10 verse 9 it says that if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord he is lord you know you don't make him the lord of your life he is the lord of everything and every person which is why in philippians um in chapter 2 uh this is what he says right one second <clears throat> therefore god exalted him chapter 2 verse 9 to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord again that same usage jesus christ is lord this is not just believers this is everyone confessing that jesus christ is lord because he is he is the lord of everyone he, and therefore in psalm 46 verse 10 he says then know that i am god you know just acknowledge it acknowledge it remind ourselves so important for us to remind ourselves that he is god and when we do that of course he is with us and of course he will get the job done but eventually it's not about us eventually it's not about how he saves us it's not really about that see how it ends be still and know that i am god i will be exalted eventually all of our troubles and how he rescues us from those troubles if we truly depend on him and if we truly go in um, uh, and 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 acknowledge his lordship in our lives the result of all of that is his glory and his exaltation his glory and his exaltation and that's why in that same reference of philippians chapter 2 it says that every knee will bow every tongue will confess that jesus is lord and then 
to the glory of God the Father. No, that is the end or that is the reason why God does all of this and why God does everything. And in the end again, that same phrase, verse 11, the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of the unworthy Jacob is a fortress in which we can all take refuge from the storms of this uncertain life. Pause and calmly think of that. Pause and calmly think of that. In my troubles, when I come to God first and submit to His Lordship, that's when God gets all the glory. When I submit to His Lordship, when I go to Him first, when I seek Him first, you know, when I become still and I let Him do His work and I acknowledge that He is Lord, that's when God eventually gets all the glory. Three selas, three sections. We will not fear when we depend on the Lord because He is an ever-present help. We will not fall when we draw near to Him because He is our unseen strength. And we will not fret when we defer to Him in complete control and we tell Him that, yes, You are the Lord of my life. And who is this God? He is the Lord of hosts and yet the God of Jacob. Shall we just bow down our heads? You know, God does not insulate us from troubles. But he said that he is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. This great God, the creator, the sustainer of the entire universe, the God of the heavenly armies, is also your and my God. He is not ashamed to call us his children. How wonderful it is to be reminded that He is our refuge and strength. A very present help and an ever-present help in trouble. And that's the only reason that we will not fear, fall or fret. He is that unseen strength within us. Oh, if only we would go to Him daily. If only we would go to that stream of living water daily. If only we would stay in Jerusalem with his people, fellowshipping daily and drawing from this strength that he has given us. We will not fall. May the Lord help us that when we go through trials and tribulations in our own lives, that we will be still and we will let him take control. And that we would acknowledge his sovereignty over all our situations and his lordship in our lives. And oh, may God use all of our situations to eventually bring glory only to his name. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, for this time. We want to thank you, Lord, for your beautiful word, Lord, which reminds us Lord, that you are our God. Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, that we have you to go to. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray, O Lord, that you would help us. Lord, help us to be people, Lord, who don't rely on our own understanding, but lean on you, O Master. 
Lord, because we know that whatever situations we are going through right now or the situations that will come will be ones which will draw us closer to you and which will bring glory to your name through our lives. Lord, may the hope that we have in you be seen outside as you work in and through us. Commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I didn't get time to go through.